0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin.
1: This is episode 100 of the Talking Taiwan podcast. I'm so pleased to announce that we have on as our special guest, Dr. Peter Tsai, the Taiwanese-American inventor of the N95 mass technology. The N95 and PPE are terms that have become a part of our everyday vernacular since the onset of the global coronavirus pandemic. Dr. Tsai holds 20 commercial license agreements and 12 U.S. patents. He was called out of retirement to figure out how to sterilize N95s for reuse and to help scale up production of the masks. In part one of my interview with him, he talks about his roots and early career. Dr. Tsai also explains how the technology behind the material of N95s works and why everyone should wear masks. Here's our interview. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, Dr. Tsai.
0: Thank you very much. Thank, thank you for having
1: me. Wonderful. Taiwan has been in the news a lot for their successful handling of the coronavirus. When I heard about your story, I thought it would be great to have you on a guest, but I had no idea how to reach you. you had a lot of really great press. Um, then I read the article that your daughters wrote about you on TaiwaneseAmerican.org. And I want to do a special thanks to Ho Chi, who is the founder of Taiwanese American. I reached out to him and he put me in touch with you for this interview. So I'm looking forward to having our listeners learn more about you. Um, And I want to start in the beginning with your roots. Um, So could you tell me what part of Taiwan are you from and what was Taiwan like back then before you came to the U.S.?
0: Oh, I was born in Taichung. Mm -hmm. It is now uh, Taichung City. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's quite different now from then. Because uh, most of the land was uh, rice field, and now a lot of buildings there. So and all the roads are different. So it's quite different. And the first time when I went back, I could not uh, find my, uh, my my house over there. <laughs> so <laughs> because uh, I got lost because of my new roads there. So how long was it's that? Uh, the first time I went back was uh, probably uh, four uh, years after I came to the U.S. And the second time, probably about eight years after I came back to the I, I came to the U.S. So it changed quite a bit uh, in the 1980s because that was the time Taiwan was economic growing very really fast. That time,
1: right. And when you were growing up, I understand that you were one of ten children. That's amazing. Like, what was it like growing up in a family of ten children?
0: Okay, I am uh, a second to the last. So I did not know how my elder brothers or sisters uh, grew up during uh, their time. So as uh, so I remember, you know, see, uh, my uh, parents support my elder brothers, then when I went to the college, my brothers support me. So that is, uh, we support each other. And uh, when my brothers grew up, they left home, and they went to work outside. So it seems to me that uh, our house was not that crowded, even we have... Uh, uh, many uh, kids together, because uh, we have uh, the age gap, so we so so this is why it, it was not that crowded.
1: Oh, okay,
0: interesting. <laughs>
1: yeah. um, in the article that your daughters wrote, they also shared a story about how um, you made your own roller skates from outdoor... Uh, from old door rollers. Can you tell me about that? And like when you were young, were you? Did you do a lot of experiments and invent things?
0: Uh, I did not really invent uh, something uh, magnificent, but uh, I was curious, you know, because I did not have money to buy the roller skate. Mm-hmm. So I found out the roller skate just made of uh, the wheels under the shoes, so I use a board and uh, I use the, uh, the, the, what is that, the, 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 roller?
1: The rollers from the door? For the
0: windows, yeah, for the window,
1: uh-huh.
0: and uh, for, uh, from a broken window. Then I use nails attached, the doors under a board. Then, uh, it seems it works, but uh, you cannot make a, a sharp turn because it, it, the doors for the window is lower on a straight line. Uh-huh. So from there you realize that uh, you cannot make a sharp turn, so it works if you go straight in line. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was interesting. Uh-huh. So and sounds, so- something else too, you know, see, uh, like we use uh, 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 a board as the pedal to play ping-pong, and work some, so so that, that works some. If you don't have money, then you can figure out something yeah, that can uh, work, but uh, it, it does not work perfectly, but you have fun from there.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like it was more like a um, skateboard than than roller skates that you made, or did you put it on shoes?
0: Uh no, not on the shoes. On the on a board.
1: So it's like a skateboard almost.
0: Yeah, skateboard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's similar to that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah.
1: Um so it seems like from an early age you had a lot of curiosity to invent things and to experiment with things.
0: Yeah, I think everyone is curious to something. Then, uh, depending on what you need or the environment you live then you try to develop something. And uh, if that is, uh, can be applied to, the pro- to make a product, to make a profit, then uh, you have money rolls in so you can do more deep experiments and uh, to develop something more or something better. So, you know, I think every kid is curious to something. But uh, depending on the environment, then uh, you can uh, go deeper or you cannot, not, not a part is uh, from you, how work, how hard you work. And another part is uh, how lucky, you know, you can make the products. So that's a combination of uh, a lot of things together, yeah.
1: How did you end up uh, getting interested in material science specifically? Because it seems there's a lot of things you could have done, engineering or different things.
0: I went to uh, uh, Taipei Institute of Technology in Taiwan, and my major was uh, chemical fiber or synthetic fiber. and. Uh, We learned the process to make the fibers. And uh, if you want to develop the products, uh, or you want to uh, develop uh, better processing, uh, better process to make the material, then it cannot be just routine work, because uh, during that time we bought machines from uh, U.S., Europe, or Japan and this also supply you the technology to make the products. But uh, in order to understand the theory then I figure out I need to study basic science, more deeper. You know, and uh, from there, probably if you want to develop a kind of a product you have the background to think and uh, so you can develop a product so this is why i think i need to study more in order to understand the theory and in order to develop uh, new products
1: so that's um, what led you to, to decide to leave taiwan because you realized you wouldn't be able to get that education unless you went to the u.s or somewhere else
0: because uh, English was the second language mm-hmm. in Taiwan. So, the best country to go are the countries of English speaking. So, if you want to go to uh, other countries like in Europe, then you need to study the languages over there. So, and, uh, and then something else will get involved. Like you need to have uh, financial support. So you can have time, you know, to study another language without working too much. But uh, during our time, you know, see, uh, we need to make money to support our service. So we, we since we already learn English, then uh, we just need to, uh, you know, uh, learn more, then uh, to pass uh, the language testing to come to the U.S. to study. So and so this is why I came to the U.S. to study.
1: So um, what did that involve besides the language testing in order for you to prepare to come to the U.S.?
0: Okay, well, yes, uh, since uh, I want to study engineering to continue uh, my background, so I need to study more science. So, in addition to studying English, then I review some science courses I took before. Then, when I came to the U.S., I took some more courses uh, to uh, enrich my knowledge in science in order to do a better job in engineering. So, then this the process that I did and uh, I did so and uh, so it took me uh, more years to finish the whole thing but uh, after that it uh, make uh, my research easier because I already know the theory and uh, if you know the theory then you don't need to do that much experiment so you know, see to save the experiment time. Then I can develop uh, more new products or uh, new uh, to improve to the process. Mm-hmm. So so it works. Yes, you know, in both ways.
1: Right. So you had yeah. you made sure that you had a strong foundation.
0: Yeah, because it took, took me several years, yeah, you know, to right. build the foundation.
1: Right.
0: So, so my, my foundation was okay, it was solid. So.
1: <laughs> what was it like when you arrived in the U.S. like in the beginning? and did, What were your expectations? Did your expectations line up with like what you experienced when you arrived?
0: We, I think uh, when we came to the U.S., we did not expect that much because uh, we don't know for sure about our future. So when we came to the U.S., we just work hard, then see what happens, then uh, uh, try to look for a chance to see what we can do. So, So we did not know much about our future. So because we don't, we did not know much about our future, so we did not expect much. So we just work out, then uh, see if you have the expertise, then you should be able to find a job here. So if you cannot find a job here, or even you don't want to find a job here, if you have the expertise, then it's easy to go back to Taiwan to continue. You know, I see my uh, previous work, or to uh, do something higher than my previous work. So it should work either here or to go back in Taiwan. If we work hard to uh, learn something, to have a good foundation, then we just rely on our, you know, see uh, see uh, what we can do. Uh, you know, based on what we have learned, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Yeah, when you put it that way, it sounds like you just look and see what the opportunities are. You have so many opportunities, whether it's in the U.S. or Taiwan, just see yeah. what um, comes up for you. That's
0: right.
1: Yeah. Um, what was the biggest challenge or adjustment for you when you first arrived to the U.S., in terms of adjusting to life here? Uh,
0: when we came here, I think uh, language was the first obstacle. We learned some English that is just basic. <laughs> and we did, we did uh, have uh, the difficulty in terms of speaking or in terms of understanding. So you need to get familiar with you know, the English way of expression. And uh, by, by, by my background is science and uh, my graduate work was science too? So we did not have much chance, you know, to learn good English. <laughs> so if you are is literature or you are going to work in politics, then you need to communicate every day. And most of the time we spend was to think about the science. <laughs> so all that, these. That that make more difficult for us to learn English.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, I find yeah. it incredible. Yeah. Um, your generation that you moved to like another country was your second language to study in another language and completely different environment and culture. It's pretty incredible to think how you have to deal with that.
0: Yeah, in terms of the way of expression and also the accent,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's difficult to change the accent. <laughs>
1: Um, Could you tell me, like, when you first arrived in the U.S., like, did you experience any um, situations with uh, bias or racism when you were here? Because I'm sure it's difficult, because you are a visible minority, and as you mentioned, the language, um, also people know that you're um, not local. Uh, Did you experience any difficulties or reaction to
0: When I was just here, because I came here for graduate studies, so it did not have the competition with others. The competition is with yourself. So, you know, you are are here to learn something, so the only chance to communicate with uh, classmates and the professors, and if you work, that is something different. If you don't have a, a good communication skill, and uh, if your expertise is not very good, then uh, you will be dead off if something happens. Right? <laughs> so uh, with the same skill, and uh, uh, if your communication is not that good, you know because. English is not our native language, so your communication skill is not that good. And uh, your race is different. So if there is a chance to lay off, then you have a good chance to be laid off, (laughs) right? But when I was here, I was a student, so I I was not working in a factory or Uh, in, the, uh, in the industries. So I did not uh, have uh, the problem of uh, racism. The, when I work, I work at uh, the university to do the research. So if you have a good research product, then they justify you by the products you make. They don't justify you by your race. When you were eight, something like that, right? Because they need the product. So I did not face the ratios, actually. So so it was good to me.
1: Oh, that's great. Um, It seems you've also had to make some other tough decisions in life. Um, I remember your daughters wrote about how when you were a PhD student, you just had your two daughters and um you decided to send them back to taiwan to live with their grandparents can you tell me a little bit about that decision
0: you know it was a tough time because uh, my wife works at night as a registered nurse so we put uh, our kids to the daycare at daytime and i need to take care of the kids at night and uh, You know, my uh, wife's parents came to visit us twice and uh, they realized that if they can help us take care of the kids for a year for me to finish my PhD then uh, I thought uh, that would be a good idea and the kids can learn the languages of there and the culture there so we agree with their decision. So they went back to Taiwan with uh, my uh, wife's parents. So that's my kids, the parents. So they lived there for a year. So <laughs> then the language there. But uh, when they came back, uh, we did not uh, Commun- communicate with the kids with our language, so they forgot the language uh, after a while. You know, see? so so they did not keep the culture and the language they learned there. That is uh, a kind of a pity. You know, so so, but uh, that helped me to go through the college, then. Uh, after I got my PhD then uh, you know see because my time was more flexible to do the research so so uh it, it uh then uh, it did not have much problem for me to take care of the kids and interact.
1: So um, when did you start working on creating the material that's now used for the N95 mask and what was involved with that?
0: Okay uh, at the University of Tennessee we had a process to make microfibers and uh, we tried to develop the application of the microfibers and we learned that uh, microfibers can be a good material for air filters because the finer the fibers the higher the surface area then it will be uh, higher efficiency for air filtration. Then, uh, if, if, from the literature, if you could put the charges into the fibers, then in terms of the mechanical attraction of the particles, electrostatic attraction will improve the filtration efficiency. So we tried many different ways to put the charges into the fibers. Then we finally figure out a way, it is called corona charging. Corona, the same uh, word as a virus. Interesting. It
1: just
0: happened, yeah, it just happened to be, just happened to be the same word, but a different meaning. <laughs> okay. Then this way to put the charges into the fibers, it can improve the efficiency efficiency by 10 times. Okay. That means the the charged media can have the efficiency as the uncharged fabrics as a 10 pieces of the uncharged fabrics together okay one piece of the charged fabric can be the efficiency as 10 pieces of the uncharged fabric so in the very beginning, we used this technology to make the products for air filters. That was uh, 1992. Okay. Then uh, the new respirator specification of, uh, of the new standard of the in the U.S. was going to be issued in 1995. That, that is the standard of N95. Okay, uh, N95 means the efficiency need to be at least 95% to filter out sub-micron particles. And the standard was issued in
1: 1995.
0: Yeah. So these yeah. to 95 is just coincidence. Yeah. Okay, yeah. different meaning. Okay. <laughs> and uh, that time, you know, many U.S. respiratory companies approaches our university to see if this technology can make the media to pass the N95 standard. So, after working for a while, then uh, we found out that this technology exceeds the requirement to make N95. So, we started licensing the technology to many U.S. companies to make N95 respirators. And they are still making respirators, and they are doing a good contribution to make N95 respirators to the hospitals.
1: Right. Um, yeah. Um, if I could just ask something to clarify, because I'm not a scientist. Like, when you say that you charge the fabric, does that mean that when you have the charge, the fabric will attract the particles more, and then it, it holds the particles so it doesn't go through the fabric? Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, you know, because uh, this fabric is made of fibrous material.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, there are pores, you know, between the fibers. So the air, air plays through the fabric, through the pores. And uh, the, fa- the fibers are charged. And there are positive and negative charges in the fibers in a good order. So they are bipolar. They have bipolar properties there. So, the charges attract the particles. When the particles come to contact with the fibers or just pass by the fibers, then it should be forced to attract the particles. So, this is why it works. You know, the charges attract the particles and the viruses are a kind of particles. Uh, the virus, the the size of a virus like a coronavirus is about 0.1 micron. One micron is a, a micrometer. Mm-hmm. Okay, that is one millionth of a meter. And uh, the pore size, that is the distance between two fibers in the fabric, is about 20 micron. So the pore size is much bigger. Then the particle size and the way it works is not the small pore size to capture large particles the way it works is to use electrostatic force to attract the particles on the surface of the fibers so it can have a good capturing capability and also good breathability okay for air filter or for a respirator so this is why it works, yeah. Uh, the way it works, you need to have uh, two requirements. One is the ability to capture the particles, right? The other is the air need to go through the the, the, the respirator or the air filter to have a good air flow or good breathability. And uh, for, it is for straight charged fabrics because uh, it needs only one-tenth of the material compared to uncharged media. So it can have a good air flow through the media. And it works because the electrostatic charges attract the particles.
1: Oh, that's really so, fascinating um, to know yeah. the science behind that, that it's not just about the size of the spaces in the fabric, but that the electrostatic is what actually makes it work. That's fascinating.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yes. So, many people have the misconception the pores need to be smaller than the particle so it can block the particle. That is the theory of liquid filtration. That is not the theory of air filtration. So that's a misconception. If the pores need to be smaller than the particle in order to block the particle, then you need to be a membrane. Then the membrane, the air resistance is too high.
1: Yeah, then it's not breathable, right?
0: It's not breathable, that's right. The membrane mm-hmm. is not breathable. <laughs> okay, so this is why it is a the charged media is good media for a respirator. And uh, I think uh, about 100% of the media to make N95 is electrostatically charged microfiber fabric.
1: I'm wondering, like, since you explained all that, I'm wondering, like, a lot of people wear cloth masks, if maybe there would be some way to use this for cloth masks that people use regularly to make them more protective.
0: Yes, a uh, cloth mask is made of cloth, and uh, N95 respirator is made of uh, non-orphan material. Uh, non-orphan is not woven. Okay, and cloth is often material. Often okay. woven material is made of a thread or yes. yarn, okay? And non oven material is made of fibrous material. And uh, the surface area of the fibers is uh, uh, contributed to the efficiency. So if you use a cloth mask, then uh, the, the way to make the yarn is the fibers are clustered together, okay? So only the surface fibers outside the yarn contribute to the first efficiency. So all the surface of the yarn together is uh, much smaller than the surface area of individual fibers in fibrous material. So in terms of philosophy efficiency, a cloth fabric is low, okay? So if you want to have a higher philosophy efficiency of a cloth, then it need to be more compact, or thicker, higher weight. Then in that way, then the breathability is very low, okay? So if uh, the fabric is light, the, for a cloth to make a mask. Then it has a pores between the yarns. Then droplet will pass through easily. So it cannot have a good fluorescence efficiency. Then a curl is uh, basically made of a cotton and is hydrophilic material. So when a droplet comes to contact with the fabric, it will spread out. Then it may penetrate through the fabric. So, so the, a, a curve mask, it can be a good shield to capture or to contain the virus inside the mask. So, from escaping to uh, contaminate other people. So, you know, the, uh, the curve mask is not ideal. But uh, basically, it can uh, contain the virus inside the respirator to uh, avoid other people getting infected. Okay, so not not, not the difference between a cloth respirator and uh, a non-woven or well, fibrous material respirator.
1: So okay. What kind of recommendations would you have for someone who's going to be wearing a cloth mask? Like what is the best type, uh, what should they be looking for if they're going to wear a cloth mask? Of course it's not ideal, but at least you said there is some minimum protection.
0: It's not ideal, but uh, then oven is not available in the market because uh, you need to have a machine. To convert the non-oven favorite into the final products, okay. like a diaper, you know, see, and uh, like a respirator, they need to have the machine. So, so it, it it's the material to sell to the converters. Okay, and uh, it, so it you cannot find the non-oven materials. The only non-oven uh, there are some non oven material you can find like uh, uh the, the sharp tower. You know, sharp tower can be non-woven material so non-woven material because it's made of fibers so it can have higher efficiency but uh, you need to do the charging so it has a charge it's inside the fiber to improve the efficiency by electrostatic attraction. Uh, so paper tower you know, it can be made of non-oven materials or sharp towers. But it, it may have some uh, waiting agent there because, you know, uh, they want to dry the hand after you wash the hands. Uh, but the uh, shop tower basically to wipe out the greasy hands. You know, when they work in like a car shop,
1: Right. So you're talking about the towels that they work on, using an auto mechanic or auto repair.
0: Yeah, that's right. But uh, they may uh, have a wetting agent in, you know, in order. To, they they their purpose is to wipe out the greasy hands, and uh, when they wash hands with the soap, they also want to uh, dry your hands. So it may have a wetting agent there. If a wetting agent is there, then uh, drop it, you know, from the mouth. It's and absorbed. It will, it will be absorbed. So it cannot be a good material anymore for filtering for respirator. So way to test to see if it can wet out or not. You can use a drop of water to see if it spray out or it beat up, okay? If it, if it builds up, then uh, it is uh, hydrophobic, then it can be a good material. So if it is hydrophobic, then you can use uh, lightweight fabric. You can insert this kind of uh, 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 sharp tower between two pieces of uh, cloth. Oh. So that can be a, a good material for DIY masks. Oh, interesting. So okay, even so. even
1: though the shop towel, you said, uh, has some weighting agent that would absorb it, you could use it kind of like as a filter between other fabrics is what you're saying?
0: In terms of fearful efficiency.
1: Like it, if you it, want to it, make a homemade mask, you're suggesting that you could take that shop towel and put it in between fabrics, right? And the yeah, the fabrics okay. that you put in between should um, – a good fabric is one that if you put water on it, it beads up. Yeah, it
0: beats up. Hmm. If it beats up, then it it can be a good material. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, as I said, usually they put the wetting agent there, right? So now, uh, a good material is uh, home use filter. Okay, home use filter if this is MERV 14, then it's also electrocytically charged and it's hydrophobic. So it is it is a good material to put between two clothes to make a DIY mask.
1: Where, where do okay. you get that kind of filter? What is that usually used for?
0: Okay, yeah, the home field for air conditioning. Uh. Okay, for furnace. Then you can get the field from the logos, Home Depot,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a uh, 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 hardware store. Mm. Something like that. Then that can be a good material. MERV-14 is uh, it's about the efficiency of uh, three-fourth mask. You know, the three-fourth mask mm-hmm. we buy from the store now. Mm-hmm. So t- during the shortage of the mask, we could not even find the, the three-fourth mask in the store. But, so if this is the case, then the MERV-14 or even Merv thirteen home filler, you know, can be a good material to be inserted between two pieces of the fabric to make a DIY mask.
1: And would there be any issues of you wearing like a homemade mask like that for a long period? Because I've heard that you, people are not supposed to use the N ninety five for a long period, right? Because the breathability. But if there, if they cr- do something like you're suggesting with the Merv. Um, is it okay to wear something like that for a couple hours?
0: It is okay, and uh, N95 mask. The character character risk character risk of uh, N95 mask is uh, a good. It has a uh, good fitting on the edge. Okay, for the masks you make at home, it's just a piece of fabric. It doesn't have a good fit at the edge. So, a lot of air comes in from the side, mm-hmm. okay? So, uh, for a risky area, you know, see, uh, like in a hospital or very crowded area, then uh, it's better to wear a uh, 95 mask, okay? But uh, if everyone wears the mask, then uh, even a three-fourth or cloth mask a lot of air comes in from the side, but its function is basically to contain the virus from an infected person. Mm-hmm. So this is why everyone needs to wear the mask. You know, if if everyone, everyone wears the mask, that includes the infected person, right? So then uh, if an infected person wears the mask, basically 90 something Ninety-something p- percent of the virus already being contained inside his mask. Okay, then you wear, you just wear a regular mask. Then uh, the probability to be infected is very low. So this is why everyone need to wear, so, uh, uh, need to wear a mask.
1: Oh, thank you for the explanation. <laughs> yeah, that's a very strong endorsement for people to wear yeah, a mask if they're uh, not convinced. Of,
0: uh, yeah. In terms of N95 mask, its efficiency is higher than MERV-14, okay? About twice higher, okay? So the higher the efficiency, the lower the visibility So, but at a dangerous or risky area, you need to wear N95 mask, you know, because its efficiency is higher. And also it's fitted at the edge. It's better. Right. Okay. But uh, as you said, it's less comfortable. Mm-hmm. It is true. But, mm-hmm. in, you know, in order to have a good protection, then the uh, visibility or comfort is lower, right? So in that case, you know, we are developing new technology to to uh, make the media with higher efficiency and lower pressure drop. Lower pressure drop, then that means lower air resistance to flow through the fabric or higher visibility. That's what we are doing. Oh,
1: okay. So now (laughs) you're working on that?
0: Actually, I already developed a new technology in 2019, through 2018. And uh, we already licensed to 10 companies using this new technology. To make other filters. And uh, we are deve- we are using this uh, media to make N95. Then the breathability is twice. Or, you know, airflow rate is uh, twice as the old technology oh, to compare wow. with the old technology.
1: Right. So you're working on something that's even more breathable. But I just want to repeat what you said before. You said, in general, the higher the efficiency, the lower the breathability. Right.
0: Yeah, using the same material. Mm-hmm. And if the material is improved to achieve the same efficiency, then the breathability can be higher. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's improvement of the material.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and going back to your work on the N95 mask, like how long did that research and development take?
0: We start started started this uh, research from about uh, 1987
1: wow. something like that.
0: Then uh, we tried many different ways and we got some results but not very good until 1992. Then uh, we developed the uh, technology that has been used for 30 years since 1992 but in 2018, I developed another technology that can have uh, double efficiency than old uh, technology. Okay, but uh, during this period of time, from 1992 to 2018, I uh, improved the technology and also I improved the process to micro to make microfibers. So this improvement have been used in the industries. So uh, material already been better, you know. It's not the material used in 1992. It's the material already been improved. But uh, the big, big improvement is uh, new technology. Okay, Mm -hmm. so along these uh, 30 years from 1992, we have uh, improvement, improvement from time to time, but uh, you know it is a, a little bit improvement every time. Not a big jump of a new technology in 2018. Not a big jump. Okay.
1: Right. And I understand that it takes a lot of, like, long hours um, of research in the lab and um, experimenting and doing all this work. Like, what what is it that keeps you motivated?
0: Oh, you know, the motivation is from the need of the industries. So, when we license this technology, then uh, a lot lot of uh, problems happen from time to time. Then that is the need of the industries, like they need a, a, a higher efficiency, lower pressure drop. Also, they want to uh, retain the charges. And they want to improve the production rate. They want to reduce the cost. So from time to time, you need to improve this and that all the time. So that's the motivation, that's the need from the industries. So if you just use, if you just use a technology without improvement, then uh, this technology becomes commodity in a short time. Then uh, everybody knows how to do it. Then you have something new, then people will come to see you because they found something better in the industry, right? Then they said, oh, we want something that good, this is good, that good. And they finally know that's what I did. <laughs> so so they, they they come to see me, you know, and say, we need this, we need that. Okay. Then after a period of time, many companies in the industry doing the same thing, then they lose competition, right? They need to have something better. <laughs> okay. So they... Uh, Because of their need, as I said just now, then that's the motivation for you to improve something. So you always have something to do and a lot of pressure, because if you cannot be better than others, then you lose the competition. I've been
1: speaking with Dr. Peter Tsai, the Taiwanese-American inventor of the N95 mask technology, about his career and how the technology behind the material of N95s works, and why everyone should wear masks. Tune in next week for part two of my interview with Dr. Tsai, in which he talks about how he was called out of retirement and what has happened since. If you enjoyed this episode of Talking Taiwan, please take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Thank you for listening to another episode of Talking Taiwan. I'm your host, Felicia Lin.
0: Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.